0: Uh, take your Bibles, if you would, go to uh, 1 John chapter 1. We're going to read there and have a lot of verses this morning as we go through the message. But we have been dealing with, really, uh, walking with God and as believers. Now, if you're not saved this morning, now that's where it begins. It begins when you give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. You don't have to know the date that you got saved, but you'd better know there was a day that you got saved. and. Uh, Uh, Brother Tom told the story about a lady in his church had asked him to go visit her husband. He was in the hospital and uh, not doing well. And Brother Tom went and, of course, he had uh, visited and talked with the man before. And the man had told him he was not saved. But uh, as Brother Tom began to visit with him in the hospital in a matter of time, he had the privilege of leading the man to Christ. And, And the man said to Brother Tom, I want you to call my family and I want to tell them what happened. And so sure enough, he began to uh, share with his family how that he had given his heart to Christ. And he wanted them to know, I'm on my way to heaven because I've been saved. And a wonderful testimony. He lived uh, just not a long time after that and went out into eternity. Brother Tom said his wife had attended our church. She was not a member. And uh, she had some family that was a member. He said, one day I just was talking to her. And I said, uh, you know, uh, your husband had such a wonderful uh salvation experience even though it was towards the end of his life and he said i i was just wondering when did you get saved and she said i've always been a christian he said do what Oh, i've just always been a christian he said what was there ever a time he began to try to no no she said i'm fine i've always believed in god can i tell you that's not going to take you to heaven just saying i've always been a christian there better be a time And uh, sadly, the day came, that lady was uh, dying, and Brother Tom was called into the hospital. Her children were there, many of them uh, faithful, uh, members of his church. They were standing around the bedside. And he said, all of a sudden, she opened her eyes and said, what's all this fire? And slipped out in eternity. Brother Tom said, I don't know. But he said, it really overwhelmed me. Because all I could think about is she kept saying, you know, I've been a Christian my whole life. I've always believed in God. And then sadly, here's her husband, comparatively, I mean, for her situation, in just a few months of life left, he gives his heart to Christ and has the full assurance heaven is his home. And she dies saying, what's all this fire? Can I tell you, you better know for sure that Christ lives in your heart. There needs to be a time. I'm glad that when I got saved somebody encouraged me to write down the date and so I did August 12th 1970 I gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ and man it forever changed my life and I'm glad for that but you know uh, the journey of the Christian life you know God didn't just save us to go to heaven if that were the case why when we got saved we'd just go right then but he left us here for a purpose and part of that is that we would walk with him. The songwriter said, when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. And preacher last night, we talked about the verse where Paul said that I may know him. In my opinion, the apostle Paul was one of the greatest Christians that ever lived as far as we know, and only God knows, um, and we're not ranking ourselves. We're not to compare ourselves by ourselves, but undoubtedly a man who walked with God and yet he cries out, that I may know Him. And uh, he knew Him as Savior, but what he was saying is, I want to know everything there is to know about Him, to be as close as I possibly can be. And because of that, I agree with Paul, we've not yet attained. I haven't arrived. Listen, uh, I'm still growing as a Christian. Somebody said, when do you stop growing as a Christian? Let me tell you something. That is the pursuit of our life, that we would be more like the master, the songwriter said, would I ever be? I don't know about you, but I want to be more like Christ, don't you? One uh, years ago, my dad's preacher, uh, who uh, had uh, such an influence in his life, there was a young boy from their church. Now, Brother Shower's, uh, as an older man, of course, the hair had left the top of his head. He had the ring around the side that some men are blessed to still have. And so uh, there was a young boy from his church uh, that went to the barber shop. Mother said, set him in the chair and the barber said, how would you like me to cut your hair? He said, I want you to cut it just like brother showers. Well, mother said stunned you know and little boy wants all of his head shaved on top and and she and the barber said I I don't think you want that he knew brother showers and his mother said no no that's not what we want he said but why would you want that he said because brother showers reminds me so much of God well that's a that's a testimony isn't it I don't know about you but I want to be the kind of Christian that someone could see Christ in you the bible said christ in you the hope of glory you know that was the mystery one of the many mysteries about uh, the bible talked about revealed truth but the mystery that christ is in you Uh, paul really helped us to understand when we get saved That the Holy Spirit takes up His abode in us and it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And because of that, we need to walk with Him in fellowship day by day. Let's read 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1. The Bible said, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and listen to this, our hands have handled of the word of life. Now think about that for just a moment. John said we have actually touched him, handled the word of life. I like the way Peter said it. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. That's powerful stuff. You you have to be impressed when Peter said, but we have a more sure word of prophecy. You realize we have something that uh, many in that day did not have. We've got the complete word of God. And what a blessing that is. This is our tool to be able to walk with God, the word of God. And so verse 2 said, For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness and show you that eternal life, uh, which uh, was with the Father and was manifested unto us, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye may also have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. In Psalm 89 and verse 15, the Bible said, Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. And that's the blessing of the Christian life, walking in the light of his countenance. Another verse in Psalm uh, chapter 36 and verse 9 said, For with thee uh, is the fountain of life, in thy light shall we see light. Why do Christians have an insight on things that the world doesn't have? Because we know the light of the world. He lives within us. What a blessing that is. Notice, first of all, this morning, the privilege of every believer. We are allowed to walk with him. What a privilege that is. What an honor that is to be able to walk with him and fellowship with him. And when I say this, his presence is refreshing. Listen, uh, I said last night, I want to be the kind of Christian that when I walk in the room... Uh, you know maybe people are encouraged Uh, I don't want to be the kind of Christian that walks in the room and all the lights go out and people are so discouraged you ever met the kind of Christian that man they're just uh, down in the dumps all the time hey everybody has a bad hair day everybody has a difficult moment but I want to tell you something child of God no one has any more right or reason to be happy than a child of God. Because you're going to live as long as God lives. You have eternal life. Listen, we're going to be together forever in heaven. And our worst day as a child of God is better than the best day that an unsaved man can have here on planet earth. So his presence is refreshing to us. Psalm 1611 said, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. The preacher mentioned, I think, in in, uh, the service either last night or the other night, here in 1 John 1, when he's talking about our fellowship, he said, these things write we unto you that your joy uh, may be full. Now, if God wants us to have fullness of joy, and he does, How do we get that? Well, it's right there. He said, I wrote these things. You might have fullness of joy. In other words, God's saying the secret of having that life of full joy is to stay in the word of God, connected in your walk with God. That's how we grow as a Christian. That's how we mature. That's how we get to know him. Listen, as uh, we are uh, uh, privileged uh, to be able to have fellowship with him, and think about this privilege. It is a, a, uh, his presence rather is refreshing. I mean, it's just such a refreshment. Think about this. In the hour of crisis, there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. And sooner or later, if we live long enough, we'll face some heartaches. We'll face some challenges. But oh, in that hour of crisis, when maybe your world gets turned upside down and no one else can give you the comfort you need, He is there to do that. In the hour of crisis, but also in the heat of conflict. You know, it's a battlefield, brother, not a recreation room. Someone said it's a fight, not a game. We are living in a battle as God's people, and our conflict is not uh, with flesh. As far as, you know, the Bible said our enemy, Paul talked about it, uh, is that unseen world. He talked about that we uh, uh, wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, because of that, in the conflict of our daily life, can I tell you, we need to walk with the Lord. I don't know how people that don't know the Lord make it. When I was uh, serving with my dad as a young man, I preached my first funeral. I had assisted my dad with a couple funerals, but dad was out of town, and there was a man in the community that died, and his uh, family called and asked if I would preach the funeral. And I, I think I was 18 or 19, I don't remember, pretty young, wasn't even married yet, but I preached the funeral for that man. and So I was talking to the family, and, and, uh, and I said, now, your dad, he was 86 years of age, and, and I asked the question, I said, was your dad saved? And he said, you know, no, dad never did really have time for church, he never did have time for, uh, he said, religion, but he was a good man. And he said, I'm just hoping it'll balance out. 86 years compared to eternity, it doesn't balance out. And I tell you, of course, that was my first funeral, but it was one of the toughest things I ever had to do. I couldn't lie to them. <laughs> I couldn't give them false hope. All I could do is preach to the living and tell them what they needed to do to be prepared for that day. And I want to tell you something. It was harder to stand at that funeral and preach that man's funeral than it was to stand at my sister's and my brother's funeral why and I preached my parents funeral and I preached my mother and father in law's funeral and I'll tell you there was a hurt and a missing but not the same I had comfort knowing that I'd see them all again because they knew the Lord but that man died and went to hell and spent eternity and will spend eternity separated from God so in the heat of conflict I'm glad for the presence of the Lord and in the hope of our communion. Man, aren't you glad that we can fellowship with Him? Yeah. You know what? how, I don't mean this wrong, but how anemic we are. The Bible said, we know not what to uh, pray for as we ought. I don't know about you, I've never felt like I've arrived in the arena of prayer. Last night we slipped out just pretty quickly. And the reason I did, we got to fellowship a little bit after church, but... Uh, We had a prayer meeting last night with one of our dear ladies at our home church who's been diagnosed with cancer. Godly lady. And I'll tell you, uh, it was really interesting as we gathered there and had prayer in their home and precious lady and God has already done some amazing things from when they initially told us she had cancer. They made it sound like there was nothing they could do for her. And then upon the reexamination, they said, well, you know, it's not as bad as we had first thought. And then the next time she went, they said, actually, uh, it's even smaller than uh, we first uh, uh, saw on the, on the picture. And, and uh, they said, you know, it's a, and by the way, her husband's a doctor. And uh, But here, the specialists are saying, you know, something's going on and now they feel like it's contained and that, you know, that everything may go well. But you know what? We don't want to leave out the element of prayer. And, and, you know, when you get to pray, and I don't know, but I've never felt like I've arrived as a prayer. I want to know more about how to communicate with him. And I'm glad that he said, we know not what to ask for as we ought. So we have the Holy Spirit who will help us and guide us and often make sense of our praying. And listen, God is interested in hearing the prayer of his children. And so in his presence, it's refreshing. But not only that, his promises are reassuring. You know, Jesus said, Paul mentions it, I believe, in Hebrews 13 and verse 5. He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Be uh, content with such things as you have. For he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You know, that's such a word of comfort. Now, Mr. Graham and I have been married 46 years. There have been a few occasions when I've had to leave my wife at home. I've made some mission trips with other uh, men and she wasn't able to go on that trip. And I would go for a period of time. I left her, but I didn't forsake her. Uh, I made sure that she had groceries and, you know, money to get groceries and all the needs were taken care of so that there was not a burden upon her. But there was a period of time when I was not right there present with her. We traveled together in almost all of the meetings. Miss Graham is able to go with me and I'm thankful for that. I, I'll just be honest with you. I like being around her. Amen. And uh, a buddy of mine, just a side note here, his, uh, he said when they were early married, Brother Hughes is in heaven now, but he said... Early in their marriage, him and his wife had a squabble, And uh, he said, uh, she told me, call me a cab. I'm going home to mother. I'm leaving you. And uh, so he called her a taxi. And she packed her bag and went out there to get in the taxi. When she went out and got in on one side, he got in on the other. And she said, what are you doing? She said, I told you I'm leaving you and I'm going home to mother. He said, I know, I'm going with you. She said, I'm leaving you. I'm going home to mother. He said, I know I'm going with you. She said, are you serious? I said, yeah. She said, well, never mind. Tell the taxi driver to go on. They gave him some money and he left. And and Brother Earl said, how are you going to leave somebody that won't leave you? (laughs) He said, let me tell you something. You may think you're going to walk away from the Lord, but he said, I'll never leave you." forsaken God. Amen. Listen, there are some people that have left their loved ones, but, and, uh, and have, uh, and forsaken them like totally forsaken them. Or there's some that maybe have forsaken their loved ones, but they haven't left yet. But Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. What a savior we have. So we notice the privilege of the believer. First John two 25, uh, said, and this is the promise. Uh, uh he said, uh, this is the promise that uh, he hath promised us even eternal life. What a promise we have. His promises are reassuring. You know, God designed us in a unique way. It's really amazing. God designed us to live until it's time for us to die. Did you know if somebody takes their own life, they have to superimpose, superimpose human will over divine will? In other words, God's plan is not for somebody to take their life. And I'm not preaching about that today, but suicide's never the answer. But can I tell you something? God designed us to live. That's why we've seen people in their last days of life, man, they just be so weak. And yet there's something designed in the body to want to live until it takes its last breath. And uh, God designed us that way. And yet he said uh, for the child of God, when you take that last breath, To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. What a promise we have. I'm so thankful for that. And then let me say, not only is his presence refreshing and his promises are reassuring, uh, but I would say also his precepts are rewarding. You know, we get in the word of God. It does more for us than we can even realize. Someone said one day, well, I've been reading the Bible and I haven't gotten anything out of it. And someone said, that's all right. It may be getting something out of you. You know, this book will really help us if we'll read it. Amen. Psalm 119 verse 4 said, Thou hast uh, commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. In other words, I don't have to uh, fail to keep the things that God has given me in his word. And if I do that, he goes on in Psalms 119, I believe about verse 6, and, and really reminds us that we're not ashamed. We are not. We don't have to be embarrassed. Uh, you know, I love being around my parents. I, I'm a preacher's kid and and my dad was a pastor, and, 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 you know, I loved being around my dad, except when I was in trouble, but I loved being around my dad. And can I tell you that my dad's presence always helped things step up a notch. I mean, I may have had my moments, but can I tell you, when dad was around, it really reminded me, hey, I, I, need, to, I need to behave. I need to follow uh, dad's desires and his commandments. And, his, and as long as everything was right you know, in that area, man, our fellowship was sweet. And I thank God for the, the privilege of knowing the Lord. And the closer we get to him through his word, the more we're going to be in line with what he wants from us. Listen, uh, I, I don't think somebody said, well, Brother Graham, you, know, you can get too carried away. I've had people say this to me you know if you're not careful you'll get so heavenly minded you're no earthly good. Can I tell you that's never been a fear of mine. What I do get concerned with is sometimes I'm so earthly minded I'm not much heavenly good. You know we're headed for heaven. We ought to want to be more like the master. We ought to want to follow in his footsteps and fellowship with him and when we get in there Someone said, well, Brother Graham, do you think because you live for the Lord, uh, you know, that you think you're somebody? No, but I think he's somebody. And because he's somebody, uh, listen, I just want to please the one who loved me and gave himself for me. I'll live for him who died for me. How happy then my life shall be. Listen, we ought to desire to want to please the one who loved us and gave himself for us. Bible said in Psalm 119 and verse 113. Let thine hand help me, for I have chosen thy precepts. You know, the answers for all my questions are right here in this book. Now, sometimes I have to diligently search and see. You know, we want God to give us everything and just by holding our Bible. And we've got to do more than that. We've got to search the scriptures. We need to find out, hey, Lord, what would you have me to do? And be careful, by the way, uh, that as we follow the Lord, by the way, The Holy Spirit of God is never going to lead you to do anything that's contrary to the Word of God. If somebody starts telling you, well, you know, I felt led of God to do this, or, uh, you know, I prayed about it, and, you know, I just, uh, I'm not convicted because, you know, it didn't bother me. Can I tell you something? We better find out, what does the Word of God say? Because it's easy for us to excuse our sin by what we're comfortable with, but we need to find out what He's comfortable with, what pleases Him. And Lord, is this how you'd have me to live? Is this what you'd have me to do? And so we see the privilege of the believer. But notice, secondly, a portrait of a believer. And I want to reference John himself. He is the writer, humanly speaking, of the epistles of John and the gospel of John. But I want you to notice something in the gospel of John chapter 13. Very quickly, gospel of John chapter 13 and verse number 23. Now, Jesus is with his disciples. And, of course, this is as he's getting close to the time that he's going to go to the cross. And the Bible said in John 13, 23, Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of the disciples whom Jesus loved. Now, some people have been bothered by that statement. A disciple whom Jesus loved. Let me say this. Jesus loves everyone. I'm going to say that one more time. Jesus loves everyone. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Listen, God loves everyone. God loves sinners. But can I tell you this? God does love everyone, but he loves his children even more. You know, when you're saved and you're in the family of God, you know the love of God in a way the world knows nothing about. Because you not only know what Christ did for you, He died, was buried, and rose again. But you begin to understand all that he uh, has done in your life. And the more you know him, listen, uh, you'll understand there is a desire to want to be closer to him. Jesus loves his children. But someone says, wait a minute, Brother Graham. Uh, What about this disciple whom Jesus loved? Well, let me say it like this. He loves his children even more. And in a different way than he loves a lost sinner because you're in the family of God. But the depth or the measure of that love is really up to you. So what do you mean, Brother Graham? Well, Jesus loves all of his children, but John cultivated a closeness to Christ even before Calvary that some of the other disciples had not yet reached. So what do you mean? Well, the Bible says John was the leaning disciple. He's leaning on the Lord. You know, the closer you get, the more you can feel his heartbeat. And John was leaning on the Lord, but not only that, John was learning. Now, could I remind you that John was one of the sons of thunder? John was a hothead. John wanted to call down fire from heaven. Hey, they're not with us. Shall we destroy them? And Jesus said, calm down. But you know, John started listening. And he started gathering some things really ahead of some of the other men. And by the way, you can decide yourself if you want to grow as a Christian. You say, oh, Brother Graham, you don't understand. I'm, I'm not a good reader. I've already covered that. Listen, if you're not a good reader uh there's recorded we have so much technology today you could listen to the word of god put your bible beside it and and it'll improve your reading but it'll also help you to understand the word of god maybe if you're not a good reader we're without excuse today listen if uh, i have friends that have no eyesight Yet they read the Bible in Braille. I'm just telling you. And those that don't know Braille will listen to the word of God. But we're without excuse today not to read the word of God. Or not to uh, listen to the word of God. And so we find John is learning. And John is loving the Lord. And, and uh, you know uh, he is loyal to the Lord. And what a testimony he had. You see John's closeness. The Bible said that he was leaning on the Lord. And and uh, verse number 23 As I read a while ago, uh, he was leaning on the Lord. The Bible said, Draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to you. You know, we're as close to the Lord, and this is going to sound a little tough as we're willing to pay the price to be close to the Lord. And you know, uh, we want to draw nigh to God. But we notice not only John's closeness, but John's confidence. You remember at the Last Supper when Jesus starts telling them that one of them is going to betray him? In verse 25, and and in other passages when you read it, uh, all the men start saying, Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? John didn't ask that question. John said, who is it? Who is it? John was not arrogant. By the way, later on, Peter said when Jesus told him, you know, that he had prayed for thee, uh, Peter said, Lord, though all men forsake thee, I'll never forsake thee. And Jesus said, Peter, you better watch your mouth. And he denied the Lord three times. But John said, who is it? Then we see John's concern. Go to John 19, if you would, just for a moment. John chapter 19. And I want to show you this. Here is, you remember, at first all the disciples fled whenever our Lord was arrested. John and Peter headed over. And of course, Peter warmed himself by the devil's fire. John stayed closer to the Christ uh, as he was going through the trials. But we look here in John chapter 19 and verse 26. Uh, Jesus is now on the cross and there stood by the cross, verse 25 of Jesus, his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas and uh, Mary Magdalene. When Jesus uh, therefore saw his mother and the disciple standing by whom he loved, speaking of John, he saith unto his mother, woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. Here became John's concern. Jesus said, John, I'm dying. I want you to look after my mother, my earthly mother, Mary. Look after her. And John, take her to your home. And he did that. By the way, after Jesus was born of a virgin, and then, of course, she married Joseph and they had other children, yet God allowed John the responsibility. And you think about the assignment Jesus gave him. I want to ask you the question, could Jesus trust you? For me with such an assignment. I, I want to be the kind of Christian that whatever he asked of me, he could trust me to do it. And I know I've got to have his help and his strength. But John was willing. He was available. And, and uh, boy, I want to think about his availability. Reminds me of that song. One of my, my grandfather's favorite song. My dad's dad was Jesus keep me near the cross. And oh listen, I don't ever want to forget what Jesus did for me. When he died and purchased my redemption. Thank God that wasn't the end of it. He was buried and rose again for our redemption. But I want to stay close uh, to Christ. And then John's comfort. He had an insight that others didn't have. Uh, In John 21 the Bible said this. As uh, Jesus had showed up there on the uh, seashore. There at Galilee. After the resurrection, in verse number 7 of John 21, the Bible said, Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he gird his fisher's coat upon him, for he was naked and did cast himself into the sea. We find here that uh, uh, John had an insight and uh, the others didn't have it at that time. Uh, he knew, listen, exactly. Who it was when he said cast your net on the other side. He knew immediately it is the Lord. And man I'll tell you John's uh, comfort in knowing that we have a risen Savior. And, And I think about this. He knew the secret of fellowship with Christ. John had figured it out. Now he hadn't arrived at perfection like Paul. But John was getting closer and closer and closer. He knew the secret of faithfulness to Christ. He knew that he could... Uh, serve him faithfully as a Christian and you know folks listen God loves faithfulness we so often get caught up in talents and abilities and what can I do and how and if we're not careful we'll compare ourselves among ourselves we're not to do that that's not wise but Lord can I be counted faithful And I want to be there. I commend the church. I was telling our pastor last night after the prayer meeting how blessed I was this week for the faithfulness of the people to be here night after night. That tells me there's a hunger, there's a thirst uh, to want to walk with the Lord and fellowship with God. That excites the heart of any preacher. I'm, I'm telling you right now, you have special meetings and you pray and hope that people and I understand sometimes people are sick things happen but I'm so thankful for people who are faithful that's where it begins and that's where we grow in our faithfulness to the Lord and then let me say he knew the secret of the future coming of Christ he's the one that had the great great responsibility of giving us the book of revelation through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit John had great comfort Let me close with this, the potential for every believer. This morning, we have the potential to walk in the light as he is in the light. We have the potential. We can do that. How? By having a passion for the scriptures and fall in love with the word of God. Don't don't just say, oh, that book's archaic. It doesn't apply to me today. This is a very applicable book. Listen, this book is as current as anything that there is in the world and more so. This Bible is so available and is so accurate. I would encourage you, read your Bible and to ask God to speak to your heart as you read it. If you're saved, the Holy Spirit lives in you and he'll show you his truth. And not only should we have a passion for the scriptures, but we need a purity from sin. Listen, folks, we need to stay right with God. 1 John is all about the fellowship of the believers. And, and, and uh, I heard a guy preach, and he said, 1 John 1, 9 is not for believers. Well, let me tell you something. He's talking about we. He's talking about us. He goes on to say, if any man sin, he said, uh, now the goal is uh, that we don't sin. In fact, it's 1 John chapter 2. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. Now, if John had ended right there, I said, whoa, man, I really messed up. But he said, I write on you that you sin not, but if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. He's talking to believers. But not only do we have an advocate with the Father, but He is the propitiation for our sins and the sins of the whole world. God wants us to keep ourselves right with Him. And when you sin, listen, friend, don't just backslide and say, well, you know, I messed up, so I'm just going to quit serving God. Get right and get back in the uh, faithfulness to the house of God. And then have a passion for the Savior. Fall in love with Christ. So I'm a little embarrassed. You know, I'm not embarrassed today. I've already told you. I love my wife. And uh, you said well, I I would never say that publicly. Man, I'll tell you, I love her. And I'm not ashamed. I'm not embarrassed. Listen, uh, somebody said, uh, I had a lady say to me, I don't like that term better half. And I said, well, maybe it's not true in every case (laughs) like hers. But anyway, I said, but for me, she's the better half of this deal, no doubt about it. When I was a young man working in the garden with my dad, he gave me a lot of counsel. One day we were working in the garden and he said, you know, son, I can't tell you who to marry, but I can point you in the right direction. Let me say this. When you find the will of God for your life, she will fit the picture of your life. Oh, that's a great statement. And then he said, and in your case, it'll improve the picture. But anyway, so... uh, (laughs) So that's why I like having her with me. It improves the picture. But anyway, no, I love my wife. I'm not ashamed. Hey, I want to tell you something. I love Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed to say that. He's my Savior. He's my Lord. I want to please Him. And so I need to walk in the light of, of Christ. And we talked about that this week. I need to walk in love. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 said, Be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. That hath given Himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor, I need to walk in the love of Christ and let that love be manifested through me to others because of what Christ did for me at Calvary. And then I need to walk in lowliness. The Bible talked about in Ephesians 4, 1 and 2 that we're to walk in lowliness. Listen, there's no place in the Christian life for haughtiness. There's no place in the Christian life for, you know, this uh, prideful mentality, I'm so great. Let me tell you something, friend. Without Him, we're nothing. And without Him, we can do nothing. And listen, uh, next year, if you don't even remember the name Ken Graham, that doesn't matter. But if you love Him, and you long to be more like the Master, these days will be worth it all. If you're... If you find your Bible reading stepping up a little bit and you find your prayer life intensifying a little more and you find your burden for the lost to be greater and you find your love for the uh, church and the desire to be faithful to the house of God and as those things grow in your life, can I tell you, it's all about Him. That's what we need to be thinking about. John... His disciples came back, John the Baptist. His disciples came to him. And they said, Jesus is baptizing more people than you are. More people are following him. And John, in essence, said, wonderful. He must increase, but I must decrease. And that ought to be the desire of our heart. May Christ be seen in us. Now listen, if you're not saved this morning, that's where it begins. Give your heart to Christ. And listen, if you are saved, let me challenge you. Walk with the Lord faithfully. And I know I'm preaching to many faithful servants of the Lord. But, Lord, let me encourage you. Let's step it up a notch in this day and age in which we're living. We need a revival worse than we've ever needed it before. But it's got to begin as we step up our walk with Him day by day.